Today's program was brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the main course. I'm Alexis McLaughlin here with Philip Gilmore. Happy Sunday. <laughs> no, it's not Sunday, is it? It's not Sunday. We're not live today. Um, we're sitting in the studio with Cloda McKenna. So we are just happy to get a little bit of time uh, with her. Um, Cloda is, if you are not familiar with her, um, she is the Irish equivalent of Emerald Lagasse, I guess, um, empire, empire owner. Um, she has four cookbooks out, uh, just came out with her fifth cookbook, Cloda's Irish Kitchen, um, television shows, actually just introduced herself to U.S. audiences uh, recently with her new show, um, so that's been exciting. Um, yeah. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And who's that? Per- you know the person you said who I was like. Who's that? Emerald Lagasse. I don't know who that is. You don't know Emerald? <laughs> no. Oh, he's he's a he's a huge. Uh, We're crossing bam. cultures today. Oh, I'm going to write his name down. Yeah. And stalk him. He he was famous because he would have he had a show and he said bam. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's actually a really nice guy. I used to hate him, but he because he, he was kind of annoying on TV. But he he's actually a level. He's He's in my heart now. I actually love him. Well, I just—I was trying to think of someone that would be equivalent because you—you you have your fifth cookbook out now. Yeah. Um, several television shows that have been in Ireland. Your first television show that's airing on PBS. Yeah. Um, Clodagh's Irish Food Trails was a—it's basically um, I traveled. I was very lucky to make it. Um, I spent four years doing it. We traveled um, uh, along the coast of Ireland and we went fishing. So. Each kind of each, we'll say, couple of series we do, we take about three months to make, and we go fishing all around the coast of Ireland with different fishermen, or go to the smokehouses where they're smoking the salmon, or you know, see how they're you know gathering mussels, or you know, scallop diving, and then cook them up afterwards. And then we did another show then, which got kind of put into that show that's on PBS, where we went around to visit all of the arts and producers because I used to run farmers markets for years, and so I got to revisit them. And kind of maybe show the world them, you know, so making chorizo down in West Cork or, you know, making delicious seaweed cheeses in Kerry or um, got so many different things. Yeah, like doing like making beauty or going to see people who are actually making wine in Ireland, which was really shocking for a lot of people. And it does taste good. Um, so that was really, really fun and great to show people outside of Ireland what's really happening in the Irish food scene. Now, this I, is the show that's get, coming out. 
it's, it's actually out at the moment. Oh, yeah, awesome, it, it came out last year and it's already had 15 million viewers. Yeah, exactly. I, I was very excited. I, I, when, I, when I went on YouTube, I was kind of uh, kind of in awe of the number of views you have. Oh, well, go great. <laughs> but you know, I, I was just trying to think about it when I was coming over. I was thinking 15 million. That's the population three times of Ireland. <laughs> like three Irish countries watching it. I was like, yay. Now, are you, are, now you, you're, you're Irish, so you probably have a pretty big family, right? You know what? My sister's here today. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, my, my brother Jim and my sister Maraid and my mom and dad. So there's, there's six So each us. one of them hit uh, play three million times? Is, it how, is, this, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly is that how it. this happened? Yes. Yeah, that's a, exactly a, it, yeah. Lo- loyalty. You have yeah. a loyal family. We, you walk into our television room <laughs> yeah. and we have a thousand televisions <laughs> yes, all right, switched right. on at one time. <laughs> all just playing yeah. replay of me. Brilliant, brilliant. You are, <laughs> and my you are, mom is making everybody cups of tea just to keep us all refreshed. <laughs> She's not only a brilliant cook, she's also a savvy businesswoman. (laughs) One of the interesting things that you about the show is you go down to the coast and you explore seafood. And I think that that's something that in the States we don't necessarily associate with Irish cuisine. But really, there's so much coastline. Yeah. It makes sense that 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 is, you know, seafood is a staple. And I guess that's, you know, some of what you get into in your newest book, The Irish Kitchen. Um, yeah. It's just cooking with, with seafood and, and other Irish traditions that are really, truly, uniquely Irish. Yeah, you know, I'm so glad that you that you brought that up. Because I was hoping it would come up quite soon about the sea and being an island. Like, we, we are an island. And we'll say in my, we'll say my grandfather's generation or, or grandfather's generation, since my sister's here, um, like who was a fisherman, it was, you know, fish was always celebrated and it would always certainly be eaten on a Friday and... And it would be in our diet a lot. And then I think what happened in Ireland was that the 80s came in and we had advertising on television. Um, we got introduced to ready prepared foods. We started getting a little bit wealthier, not so much in our life, but in monetary status. And so we started kind of busing up really, really fast. So life in Ireland started getting really fast. We just turned away from the sea. We literally turned our bodies from the sea and was focused on you know, more kind of material things. And, you know, it's just our country. We just went through a whole wave of it. And I, you know, was part of that wave. We're all part of that wave. But now Ireland has completely, because we've had this um, kind of backlash financially on our country, over the past five years, the Celtic tiger was, you know, was killed, (laughs) to put it bluntly. And, um, And we've had this kind of real renaissance on food and people are turning their back and they're looking at the fantastic array of seafood that we have on our coastline. I mean, we supply, you know, France and Spain with about 80% of our shellfish, like our prawns or shrimps or mussels or scallops. They all go straight on the boat to Spain. Lobsters too, right? You have mo- lobsters. Great lobsters. We have fanta- really, really sweet lobsters. Yeah. And my mission is to just try to lessen and lessen that percentage that leaves our country and because literally what was happening is the boats would be like crossing each other. So we'd be getting all the the not so great fish coming over from Spain that would be packed and frozen and sold very cheaply. And we were sending all the delicious food over to them. So that's kind of making kind of a big turn at the moment. And, and with my book, like I'd say about 50 percent of my recipes are with some kind of, you know, seafood in them. Whether it would be with seaweed, which I love, or scallops or prawns or prawn risotto just delicious yeah are there are there any um ingredients that are uniquely irish that that are hard to find abroad um i would say like what i just mentioned there seaweed 
And I don't know about, uh, is it having a comeback here in the States a bit? Oh, well, you you're talking to the wrong person. I own a, I own a uh, sushi restaurant. <laughs> oh, that's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of seaweed? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I have. It's very famous. Yeah. So, like, seaweed is having a really, really cool revival on the on the menus in the restaurants at the moment in Ireland. And there are so many producers now that are actually, you know, foraging seaweeds and they're drying it and they're using it for medicinal purposes as well as kind of culinary purposes. Which is fantastic. I love using it. So it would, that would definitely be particular to Ireland for sure. I mean, we export so much seaweed yeah. um, to Japan and to China and to Asian countries especially. Um, and it's a thriving business. But I love it. I love, I love knowing that I get like, I take a little bit of seaweed in my salad and I get so, many magne- so much magnesium and nutrients immediately. Um, and naturally occurring MSG. Is it? <laughs> yeah, that, you know, well, you know, that's where MSG comes from, is, is the compound in kelp. Oh, wow. Yeah, but MSG, MSG has a bad rap, by the way, you know, owning, yeah. owning a sushi restaurant. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because, uh, you, know, uh, in a, you know, I own a Japanese restaurant, so you hear them the, the word umami all the time, but it applies, you know, umami? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, like, you know, seaweed is the, the root of umami. <laughs> I, I love um, I love that in um, it, with, uh, with ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, cooked with like a chocolate ice cream. Oh, seaweed? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard that, but then... Yeah, nori especially with chocolate is yeah. beautiful. Um, I've actually had nori with chocolate, but not ice cream. That sounds great. Yeah, really beautiful. Um, what else now do I have at the moment? Well, in my restaurant in, in, in Ireland, which is called Clodagh's Kitchen. <laughs> and the book is called Clodagh's Irish Kitchen. Yeah, I'm really creative. <laughs> and yeah, um, I do a parami salad, which is all like ribbons of raw vegetables, like ribbons you know, that you do with shavings. And I put um, spaghetti um, seaweed in it, which I just rehydrate, yeah. chop it up, pop it in. And it adds a lovely, for those of you who are listening and you're like, oh, Jeez, I wouldn't. I don't even like to walk barefoot over seaweed. I understand where you're coming from, <laughs> but just take a chance. Add a little bit. All you need is about five grams in of seaweed in there. You know, like because it adds. It is. You know, it is quite flavoursome. But just marry it then with sweet things like beetroot. Fennel is fabulous, like adding the bulb, the vegetable, because it's got a lovely strong aniseed flavour. Orange zest. You know, make a lovely kind of fresh seaweed salad. If you do it, just maybe even just twice a week. Try to start introducing that into your diet. Yeah, it's it's really really good for you. And and there's I think yeah. I think seaweed kind of has a bad rap. Yeah, but there's such a wide variety of different not only flavors but textures. There's some that are crunchy. There's some that are starchy. There's some that are a little slimy. Uh, yeah. I, there's all sorts of and beautiful too. There's different color arrays and. Yeah, I, Absolutely. Lo- I, I love seaweed. <laughs> and, and also for vegetarians or people who are very, we'll say, um, aware of using um, gelatine and they can use carrageen moss mm-hmm. is what was used for centuries in Ireland to thicken up um, you know, as a gelatine agent or as a, um, for thickening up stews as well. You can add carrageen moss into it and it adds a little bit of a kick of the flavour. But moving on from seaweed, other things I think that we have in, in, in Ireland that would be very, very Irish would be lamb. And it's, I mean, you come to, have you been to Ireland? I've never been to Ireland. Have you, have you been to Ireland? I've not, sadly enough. Oh my God. I want to go so bad. My, it's, it's, but I love lamb. My, my, my mother has lived in probably, I don't know, 15 different countries. She's traveled all over the world and uh, she loves Ireland the most. Does the people, she? she rented a car, she was there for two weeks, drove around and the... Like just everything about it, like you know, she was you know obviously she was in Dublin, but uh, she most of, most of the uh, most of the time she was there, she she traveled around, just drove in a car, and the people, the landscape, the food, she loves everything about it. That's that's a true story. Yeah. Wow. 
Um, but the, you know, when you do come to Ireland, <laughs> what you will notice is that, and this isn't like some kind of quaint proverb or a little kind of story, um, I'm starring Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. No, <laughs> <laughs> this is like the truth. When you like you're driving, you know, around Ireland, but when you get into the countryside and up the mountainous regions, and Ireland is just full of mountains, you know, Cork and Kerry, all the different coastlines, you will start seeing sheep everywhere. I mean, I, there's probably more sheep in Ireland than there are people. She doesn't eat lamb anymore, by the way. Oh, doesn't she? No, she she doesn't like it. I think you know because she, she 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 came across so many sheep and lamb yeah. just on the road and like you know pet them and like you know she she couldn't yeah. eat them. Well, you know she she does she she she's kind of reminded of the spiritual connection she had in Ireland oh. with them. <laughs> oh, lovely. You know, I, it's funny because I maybe it's because I'm a chef, but I look at them and I think, oh my God, you're reared so beautifully. You're you're. Your meat must be so clean. <laughs> there must be so much flavor going you're on. You're adorable and you're, you look delicious. Yeah, you're go- yeah, that would be so lovely to eat rather than you know, eating some food that's not like, clean. Like, like in the cartoon when one, one cartoon character is looking at the other one and they just turn into a delicious ham and they start, you know, start salivating. <laughs> like. <laughs> well, somebody told me a very good thing to put in my head at a very early stage um, when I started... Um, when I started in food, it was actually Darina Allen, who's a, a you know fabulous woman, a chef in Ireland as well. And um, and I started wearing pigs and I had about six pigs. And I remember I was living in West Cork and we got them and they put them in. And I was and I was like, God, they're so cute. And I was bringing them up apples. I thought, oh, the apple and the pork would be lovely together. Feeding them all. And then I started naming them. And I remember Darina said to me, so what have you named them? And I was like, oh, one is Bertie. One is, you no. Know, Georgie I can't remember the names and she said okay stop it right there you call one you know pork pie you call one you know <laughs> sizzling rashers <Yeah. laughs> you call them that way because you have to think that way yeah and she was like would you prefer to eat like let an animal have a lovely glorious life for a year rather than going out and supporting you know a company that rares animals for about three weeks and kills them and yeah. they have an awful life so I prefer the the other way. So Not I prefer the wild. Did, I prefer to... Did you see the... Um, I, I forget the name of the show, but one of Gordon Ramsay's shows where uh, one of the seasons, one of the subplots was he was uh, raising pigs with his children, which which the, and, and the finale of the season was them, you know, that. butchering the pig and, you know... Did they and, air that here in America? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, it was, uh, you know, I think on BBC America, but, you know, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was... I thought it was... It was... Uh, it was I thought it was very... And, and just beautiful yeah. that he was showing his children this is where meat comes from and you know exactly. but it was it was kind of neat too because he kind of like I don't I don't think that he was kind of attached to the pig but through the eyes of his children that it was so hard because you know yeah. he, he got he got connected through his ch- yeah so yeah, yeah. But, but I think it's an important lesson that I think uh, maybe all parents should teach their children I think you know I, th- I think it really is an important lesson and it opens your eyes to so much I think that we eat food you know, three or four times a day, it's a, such a massive part of our being or well-being or mentality or everything. Like depression, it all leads to your gut, you know, um, like your gut instinct is not an expression that was just like thrown out of the air. Like it's it's so important what you put through your body. And I think it's important for us all to really think about what we eat. So when we're eating pork, you now where does the pork come from? And, you know, I know what this, you know, Heritage Radio and Roberta's and everything, you're very much focused on that, like where your food comes from and that connection. And that's really kind of like what about Irish cuisine is about. It's really about that connection. And back to the lamb, what's really fantastic now in Ireland is that because of all these fabulous wild lamb, um, they're wild, but they're also, you know, they're, they're all marked. So, you know, they're wild, but it's controlled wild. 
So all the different areas where these lambs are, we'll say, are rearing, (coughs) excuse me, are now, we'll say, being called, like, for example, the Connemara lamb or the Wicklow lamb or the Kerry lamb. And they all have different flavours. So, like, the Connemara lamb will have, like, a lovely salty flavour to it because it's right on the Atlantic coastline. Sorry. (coughs) Sorry. It's so funny that you bring that up. I work for um, Heritage Foods USA, and we we sell animals by the breed, and that's what we do differently. And we just got in three, well, we have the total four types of lamb, um, different by breed, and they all taste uniquely different. We have Tunis, Katahdin, um, Navajo Churro, um, and Dorset Horned, and they're so uniquely different um, in, in characteristic and flavor and composition. Oh, it's why? it's amazing, and do you distribute to the whole of America? Yeah, we, we well we have uh, we distribute to restaurants in New York, um, you know mostly the coast, New York, uh, San Francisco, LA. We do some Las Vegas, some Pittsburgh, and, and uh, we also do a mail order business on our website um, heritagefoodsusa.com. Oh. and it's just and and you can order you know lamb by the breed. You can find out what you like or try them both side by side. But it's so interesting that you bring that up. And I know regionally where lamb grows affects it too. So <coughs> one was saltier. I'm guessing that might be, you know, near a coast or, or Yeah, in Connemara on the Atlantic. Like yeah. if you go to Connemara and you stand on one of the mountains there, like y- y- you come down off it and you just, you know, wipe your face and <laughs> taste the fingers and you'll taste salt. It's so beautiful. And you know what? We're so damn lucky in Ireland. Like we're, we're at this island like, like that's like perched on the side of beautiful Europe and we get this fabulous natural spray. It's almost like clean to clean all our beautiful pastures and our food and everything and our butter I mean our <laughs> Irish butter. butter I mean everybody loves our Irish butter don't tell me you haven't tasted our Irish butter I have you have yeah, yeah. I would carry gold I mean it's it's kind of available everywhere it's like our it's kind of like our national stamp I mean I but used do you, to do you like, I was gonna I was I swear I was gonna ask you when you were talking about Kerry the city yeah uh, you know county uh, I was gonna I, was saying, I wonder if she she likes Kerry gold do you like that butter yes Kerry gold it's great right I, it's my go-to butter actually. I love it yeah. I love it I used to um I don't know if I'll admit this. I used to always, whenever I travel, I used to always have a few bags in my bag or my suitcase or cause it always tastes things great. I mean, like when you were growing up, you'd have, you know, you might mash up some turnips or some parsnips or something. You go, oh, I'll just throw in a little dollop of <laughs> cold butter. Yeah. And it's clean, good fat, you know, like it's not like it's processed. And the great thing is that and I, I lived in Italy for years working with slow food. And um, I remember being over there and going, I was so disappointed with their butter. I was like, this is Italy. Like, doesn't like... All they the don't... Greens. Italians don't use butter. That's... Yeah. Italians is olive oil. They, butter have, is not something Have you guys ever about. tried the... They're in, in, in Parma, I think it is, or Parmigiano-Reggiano, mm-hmm. the, the, the cows that they make the Parmigiano-Reggiano from, they make cheese from. And I swear to God, you can actually taste Parmesan in really? the butter. I swear to you, it's the strangest butter I've ever tasted. Well, do you know why? Because they probably use the whey that's left over from exactly. the cheese making yeah. to to feed the cows. Yeah. I'd say so. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it actually, <laughs> that's I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was in my mind or not. But I just had it one time. But I remember it like it's a very strange tasting butter. God, that sounds delicious. Yeah. I always, I always yeah. knew the tell of a good Irish butter is how yellow it was. Yeah. Of course, because yeah. that means it was raised on on grass and just eating all those. Uh, you know, vi- I think vitamin A is what gives it its yellow. Absolutely. I mean, color. I would say ninety percent of the the we'll say the the population of cows in Ireland are reared outdoors. 
And I was so green, pardon the pun, to it all. And I remember going to <laughs> Italy and them showing, bringing to show me these beautiful white cows that they had um, in, in Piedmonte. And, um, and we were driving up and, and we were going into this farm and I was like, where are the cows? And they were like, oh, they're all indoor. And I'm like, you're raising the cows indoor? They were like, God, all cows get raised indoor in Italy. <laughs> and that was my first time thinking, Jesus, really? Like, <laughs> you raise your cows indoors? Why? And they were like, because it's so much trouble bringing them in and out and because they take up valuable land space, etc. Whereas in, in Ireland, it's the complete opposite there. We look at our beef and our, our butter and our milk as being our prized possessions in Ireland. And it's... And that's why there's such a big thing about land in Ireland. It's it's always been a space where we graze our animals outdoors and and are well for for animals. So our beef in Ireland is is pretty fantastic too. Yeah, and the beef tradition started the the I know the cattle import um, started really back in in like the you know 4500 BC. Cattle were first brought over to Ireland and just you know, prize for being able to raise there. I guess the grazing land was so good. Yeah, and the temperature as well. Yeah. Like lovely, cool breeze. And it's really what the, the beef export was was huge in Ireland um, yeah. through the 1800s. Absolutely. And don't, you know, we're now raising buffalo buffaloes in Ireland too. Really? Yeah. Really? I didn't know if it would work or not because they usually need this kind of lovely, humid kind of, you know, breeze. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, down, I don't know if you've ever been to any buffalo farms in Italy. But yeah, this um, this farm in um, called Toonsbridge Farm in Cork have started raising them, and then we now have so we now in Ireland have our own fresh buffalo mozzarella ricotta. Oh wow! Which is gorgeous. They've started doing this kind of feta style um, ricotta cheese as well, which is really really great. So, like it's now like introduced to like lots of menus now. Like in my own restaurant, I have their buffalo mozzarella on like you know lovely char you know like, on lovely charred sourdough with maybe like Irish heirloom tomatoes and I'm thinking god this is an Irish dish okay it's an influence from Italy but <laughs> it's now Irish you yeah. know is there yeah. I mean you know I guess lamb is traditionally an Irish you know protein um, beef so much of it was exported for years out of Ireland that it wasn't on the on the plates of, of the traditional Irish table yeah um, but has that changed and, and how is, you know, protein in, in Irish? Yeah, we, we, I mean, we eat a, an awful lot of lamb now in Ireland, especially during the springtime. Mm-hmm. And then coming into the autumn, I think I think we've built up a better kind of kind of repertoire of recipes in Ireland. So like, I mean, my favorite thing to do with lamb at the moment would be like lamb chops and lamb loins and, you know, marinating them in rosemary and ground fennel and then cooking them with like lovely honey roasted nectarines and you know, so people have really become kind of very seasonally aware as well. Like nectarines going so incredibly well with with lamb. They're in season together. Yeah. You know, they should be. Um, so that's great. And then more the slow roast then coming into the autumn. So, you know, the slow cooking of the autumn lamb has become very, very popular. Um, beef, yeah, beef is very popular in Ireland as always. But I think that we're exploring more different flavours now as well. Um, like pork, like pork cheeks are very popular as well in Ireland. Slow cooked with vermouth and gooseberries. Mm. I'm starving. How much, <laughs> uh, or, or, organ meats, care to comment? Organ meats, yeah, no, yes. always. Yeah. Always in Ireland. Like, um, yeah, tripe and dracine. And, you know, I'm not a major fan of tripe and dracine. Yeah. Um, but they cook them with, um, in Cork especially, in the, a place called the English Market, which is this fabulous covered market. So if you do come to Ireland, well, I'll do your itinerary for you. You have to go to Cork <laughs> and see this fabulous English market. Um, and it's covered market with loads of fabulous producers, but there's a little restaurant up there that does all the traditional dishes, mm-hmm. and Drasheen is one of them. Um, 
I'm a, I'm, a, I'm like 85th generation Scottish on both sides of my family. But uh, but that being said, I uh, I'm obsessed with haggis. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I even I actually even do like a uh, kind of well. We, it started because we uh, we were getting whole goats from Heritage Foods. They do the thing called Goatober, and we had all this leftover thing. So I kind of do this like uh, almost like a, a Japanese style haggis inside of gyoza, the dumplings. But uh, but I was I was curious. Is there is there any is uh, is there any dish in Ireland that is not not maybe similar to haggis or something where you utilize like all the organs in one dish or anything? Um, let me think. Um. I, you know, I can't think of one. Um, not for organs. Not for organs. I mean, there was definitely a cleaning out stew, mm-hmm. which would be... Everything in it. <laughs> yeah, like a coddle, yeah. which would be usually cooked, we'll say, on a on a Thursday before, good, you know, before Fish Friday. Yeah. And, you know, it would be with sausage and bacon and potatoes and maybe carrot. It was a white stew. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lovely, but I'm, it wouldn't be something I would run to make. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sounds really exciting, yeah, doesn't right. it? <laughs> it actually does. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that real comfort thing. Yeah, it's definitely like a soul food, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, is there? No, I can't think of anything off offhand. But yeah, I can't. Well, well how about um? What what about um? Is there any is there any dishes that uh you know um that you um feel are uniquely Irish that separate your, yourselves from you know like England and Wales and Scotland that you like that you as an Irish person lay claim to yeah <laughs> um, <Rawr>. yeah <laughs> yes yeah there are um, like Cargain Moss like if somebody came along and said to me the Cargain Moss pudding yeah was from England you know there'd be another revolution <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that definitely I have it in my recipe and I've infused it with um, with rose water. And with um, a rhubarb compote on top. Wow. Um, it's gorgeous because you just get this, a little whisper of the sea in it. Um, and obviously, so it's kind of like a, pan, it's like an Irish panna cotta if you haven't tasted it before. But it's a little bit lighter and fluffier and airier than a panna cotta. It's not as dense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Putting the rose water through it is beautiful because it adds a kind of a decadence to it, you know, and a kind of whimsicalness to it. And then the rhubarb is beautiful with it because it's lovely and tart and <clears throat> In season at the moment, which is beautiful too. Another thing I, I would think of as Irish would be um, salted cod. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the salted cod croquettes, you know, mm. with potato. And oh, I love them. I've got that recipe in my book, actually. Um, that's beautiful. Um, other things are spiced beef. Mm-hmm. Spiced beef is so Irish. We started doing it like over a hundred years ago and it was done in cork to be exported actually for the British Army. So we'd salt a lot of products in, in cork. Is it like a dried, dried or? Um, it's um, it's salted. It's a salted beef, but there'd be flavors added into it, like cloves, um, nutmeg. Um, what are the other ones? Um, cloves, um, nutmeg, um, brown sugar. Um, so like like a sugar spiced yeah. recipe that would be really ground lovely into it, and that gets marinated for about a week. Wow! And then you boil it. And then you'd serve it with like a, a beetroot and horseradish cream. Oh wow! It's so good. What, what kind of what kind of meat? What kind of meat? Um, well, you could use different things. Brisket you could or use yeah, or... brisket. Yeah, yeah, brisket. Anything that would be um, something that works well to be very slow cooking, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. when you boil it, then you boil it for about three hours. Yeah. So you don't want to use a very a prime cut. You want to definitely use something like a brisket yeah. or. Yeah, something Ooh, like cheeks feather. Would be good with that, oh, cheeks would be beautiful too. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. 
That would be beautiful. That, but that was traditionally made. Like we always have that, don't we, on Christmas Eve? Yeah. Like so, you'd have it on the night, the eve of Christmas Eve, and you get to walk into somebody's house and to smell all those spices from the the stove wafting. I mean, for me, that's like a definite trigger food <laughs> memory. You know, like that would immediately bring me back to Christmas Eve, no matter where I am in the world. Yeah. And Actually, I love I, that parallel. I, I, yeah. I think I'm going to work on an air freshener with those uh, flavor profiles. <laughs> yeah. I just want to. I just want to have that. Just you know, as a candle, maybe a scent Imagine. candle. That would be a nice Spiced thing. Irish like, beef. You know, it's like all the smell and none of the work. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back here next year. Like, oh, so good. What are you up to? I've got my new fragrance. Here. <laughs> you want to smell like an Irish beef? <laughs> actually, we, we, we actually have a lot of Irish tourists in this neighborhood. Obviously, because there's Irish tourists everywhere. But maybe, maybe outside of my <laughs> restaurant, I'll just have like the scent coming out of the yeah. restaurant just to draw them in and yeah. then make them buy sushi yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah spiced beef and you're grinning yeah. fish <laughs> I love it yeah so I guess that's a new a new tradition for we're just coming up into St. Patty's Day we'll be on Tuesday so yeah. Everyone can replace their corned beef, which is actually an American Irish tradition. Yeah, born in born in New York um, <laughs> with uh, some salted beef. Yeah, with yeah with the spiced beef, it would be yeah it would be gorgeous. Yeah. So do do you have do you have any restaurants in New York that uh, that are Irish that that you like that are like that that you think kind of. Are, it, it, in essence, is more Irish and less Irish American, or do you know what? There aren't any. There aren't any. There aren't any. I mean, there's there's Irish pubs that do pub food, mm-hmm. but there's no Irish restaurant, like you know, no proper restaurant. And you know, it's, it's something that I would love to do. <laughs> you know, I'd love to create like a really fabulous, gorgeous, contemporary Irish restaurant. I you know, would, I think it would be a Irish hit linen here. and like who who wouldn't go there? I, mean, I know and spiced beef perfume, you know, in, in the bathrooms, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. candles, yeah, hand soap. But no, but but uh, sincerely, I really would love to do that. So anybody wants to partner up with me, <laughs> um, I would love to do that because it, it, it's uh, you know I feel I wish that people would get to taste more of what we're cooking there rather yeah. than just I mean you it's and it's pub food and I'm not dishing pub food it, you know it's gorgeous and everything has a moment in time and everything has a different comfort value or you crave things at certain points but I would love for there to be a restaurant a, a space where people could come where you get like lovely current t- clean tasting you know Irish dishes you, you were talking about um, in the 80s how like you know kind of ready made food and all that stuff affected the you know the traditions you know maybe uh, waning but also too would would uh, I'm just thinking here for a second but uh, would would also too pub food yeah would that be in line with that too Abs- kind of you know like ready ready accessible pub food yeah absolutely seems, yeah. and pub food really in Ireland has only gotten good in the last five years yeah like it was never you know a case of you'd go into a pub in Ireland and get like you know a glass of you know the stout was always fantastic and the whiskies <laughs> they had that down to a tea yeah. but you'd never be able to get like a gorgeous you know scotch egg yeah or you know something gorgeous you know to a go with it a good scotch egg is my favourite oh, oh man I do a scotch egg in my book but with black pudding Really? Yeah, I'm going to wow. be doing it on the better show. Oh wow! Yeah, and you know, I, I, it's very rare, but I've had two, I think two Scotch eggs where uh, when you bite into it, there it's actually soft boiled in the middle. I just have <sighs> such an affinity for that. That's Me just too. the best. You know, just straw. You know. Yeah, <laughs> six minutes, six minute boiling yeah. is what I do. Yeah, because a lot of times when you get them in cheap places, they're always like hard boiled. They, you know? they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you out there who are making your Scotch eggs, yeah. boil your water, win it at the boiling water, throw your eggs in for exactly. 
six minutes. I, we have tested this over and over and over yeah, again in the restaurant. Six minutes. Yeah, take it out. But instead of put, encasing it with the sausage around it, mm-hmm. try it with a half sausage and half um, crumbled black pudding. Mm. It's, you know, the, the grainy and the texture of it is, wow. yeah, gorgeous. So to the pubs. So yeah, so that's kind of started now because people were going to the pubs and they were craving to get better food now. So that's become a real, like, great trend now in Ireland as well, which is great. But yeah, you shouldn't be like that. It was actually almost looked down upon if you were coming in and having a pint as a man and you were ordering food or crisps. Mm. Like, jeez, he's not really a drinker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how funny is that and how much we've changed? Yeah. Like, you know, that whole, that whole mentality is now gone from Ireland. Thank God. <laughs> well, I, I always think a little nutrition uh, helps me be more of an efficient drinker because then you can actually drink longer and feel better tomorrow so you can start drinking earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good thinking. Yeah. I just want to thank you so much, Cloda, for being on our show, um, taking the time. And really, anyone that's listening, if you're interested in, in trying some traditional Irish cuisine, um, go ahead and pick up Cloda's Irish Kitchen. Um, try gonna, some recipes, try some seaweed. It's going to be available everywhere, I guess. It's in um, Barnes & Noble, um, mm-hmm. and it's also um, on um, Amazon.com awesome. as well. But like, And what are the name of your shows? Is um, The shows are called um, Cloda's um, Irish... I just think about that for a second. <laughs> no, Cloda's Irish Food Trails, and my book is, yeah, Cloda's Irish Kitchen, and, and I'm on Twitter. And, and food, food Trails is the one where you, where you visit the fishermen? Yes. And I can see that. You can see that, yeah. Awesome, I'm so excited. On PBS or Create. That's like, one, that's like my dream is to just go around to fishing villages. I'm a fisherman myself and it just oh, it sounds so amazing. Yeah, no, it is fabulous. Yeah. It was a fantastic time. I want to go back and do it again. Mm. Wonderful. We'll, we'll link to your Twitter um, in the comments. So if anyone has any follow-up questions, they can reach out to you. Um, and thank you so much again. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Neve. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. I couldn't run a